Professor is fucking funny. But, uh... Hello! Um, we have such a great audience. Uh, you got it? Yes. Yes. Hello! Hello, everyone. Um, all, all the several people who came out. Oh, well, we have one, one person. One is that audience. ice cream? It is. Nice. What kind of ice cream is that? It's vegan peppermint stick from Googleotties. Oh, wow. Wow. Vegan pepper. Wait, vegan peppermint what? Stick. Stick. Nice. I uh, I was always a York peppermint guy, and I would like steal them from my grandmother. And uh, now I have diabetes. So. I was actually imagining this tonight, you being the only person <laughs> <laughs> that came. Should I, should I talk or should I just take this all in? Well, we'll, 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 you know, include the audience. We'll include the audience, audience. Yeah. of course. Audience inclusion yeah. is necessary. Or... Of course, it's not actual food. I don't endorse eating sugar. But oh, I, okay. I'm an injured man, so that's oh. why I'm eating it tonight. An injured man. It is also cold outside, so ice cream is a bold choice. Yeah. yeah. I like ice cream year-round. Wow, what a rebel Cam is. Shit. Alright, well, I, uh, welcome to In the Chair with uh, episode two, Cameron Smith. Woo! Hey. Um, he, uh, he's a very interesting creative person uh, I wanted to have on this, uh, this sad podcast. I do. Um, and I usually talk about childhood trauma. I usually start with something. Did you have any uh, relatives that passed that uh, have a big influence on your life, your act, or just a, a general way of living? Uh, no, I don't have... So everyone's alive in your family? Most, mostly everyone, right. yes. Um, I did have my Uncle Bobby pass away recently, and he does have an influence on my act, but if this is being recorded, let, let's not, let's skip over that. Oh, okay. <laughs> you want me to edit this part out? No, you can, okay. you can keep this in here. But, uh... You afraid to talk about it? No, I'm oh, not you know. afraid to talk. Well, it's just, you know, if this this comes out and he tags me in it and I'm here explaining <laughs> how my dead, my dead great uncle who recently passed, if I explain how he ties into my act and just a family member happens to click on this, it would not be a good look. Well, what was he, uh... It is one joke. Like, I post a lot of my stand-up on the internet. And that is one joke I intentionally make sure does not end up on the internet. Your, uh, what did what did your uncle pass away from, if you don't mind me asking? He was like 70 years old, and he had Down syndrome. Oh. Uh, well, I'm very sorry to hear about this. It's okay. Okay. Jeez, um, man, you're really <laughs> pushing my buttons already. Really? What, I'm this, so sorry. I'm this, so sorry. Like, I mean, this better get good. This look, look. <laughs> this isn't great. But, turn things but, around. But, but we're here to kind of manifest something like sad that we've experienced into manifest. our ass. That's a big. That's a big, that's a big word. word. Yeah, that's a. That's a. Is that two syllables? No, that's three. That's a. That's a chunky word right there. Well, um, I had questions for you, Cam. Okay. And I'll, keep, I'll keep firing away. Uh, but uh, is there any tragedy that you won't make fun of on stage, or that you find very hard, historical or personal? I haven't found anything that I won't try or that, you know, makes me too uncomfortable to try. Um, I, and, and I, and any tragedy I can think of, I can't think of one that I have tried continuously to make fun of and have not gotten at least one iteration of a joke to work. Wow. Have you so, done 9-11 stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I uh, I heard a Chapel Hill comic explain the election of Trump being worse than 9/11, and uh, I don't remember like buildings falling down when he got elected. Honestly, okay, that might be if you consider Trump getting elected a tragedy. This is in Chapel Hill, though, so yeah, yeah. That, well, yeah, they certainly would consider it a tragedy. Um, I, that's one thing I don't think I've ever. Uh, been able to make funny, and I don't think anyone's been able to make just Trump-related shit funny, whether it's for him or against him. Like it's just I'm no, sorry, I'm sorry no one it. wants to laugh at it because they're like, "That's not president. That ain't funny." Or it's like, "I fucking hate that guy," 
and it makes me very sad to hear his name, and I, I just I can't laugh. He used to be the guy on NBC that used to tell you, like, fuck off, get out of there. And I was like, that's the guy who runs things now. And I'm like, that's not cool, but I don't know. Um, so tragedies we're talking about with, like, uh, 9-11 and things like that. You never had any family members lost in that at all? Like, you don't have a connection to 9-11 at all? <laughs> hey, if I do, if I did, then I don't need more. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> You're just stealing Pete Davidson's act at this point. You're like, my dad died in 9/11. He was just a hot dog vendor who isn't a hero sued. or anything. You're gonna get sued for a million dollars when you reveal Pete Davidson's act. Ah, shit. Yeah. So, uh, what are you hiding over there for? Hello? You hiding over there? I was, I was afraid that you would. I've, I've seen no, you this no, whole time. I've just been. We're just riffing. Do you have any questions for our guests? No. This is a Q&A now. Yeah. It's all <laughs> is, it, is, that what, is that what this is? You need people to ask questions? I mean, no. <laughs> He's supposed to be asking them. I, I was asking, to be frank, I thought I was doing okay on the question department. Next well, question. Let's next go. Next question. <laughs> all right. So. We've got to keep these folks entertained. Hey, you know, it's funny about your NASA shirt. Uh-huh. So I had an interaction with a woman this morning who was also wearing a NASA, was also promoting NASA. And I was highlighting that their pictures are lies. They're not actual pictures. They're computer generated based on algorithms. So do you believe that the moon landing was fake? It's cool if you do. It's like... I'm not really sure. Oh, I wow. I think it could have been, but they also could have faked it as well. I feel like it costs more money to fake the moon landing than to actually land on the moon. Probably. Here, here, I think I heard a convincing theory that... They really did land on the moon, but the moon landing footage is fake. Yeah, it's possible. Do you think the big? But I don't know what I believe. Do you think the Bigfoot footage was real? I don't. I don't know which Bigfoot I, footage you're. I think it was to. just some guy at the JCC who didn't shave, and they just. They were going to say some guy at the JCPenney. <laughs> <laughs> Both, maybe. We like to be there. Very scattered. Just a hairy fella at the J.C. Penny trying to pick up, <laughs> up the clearance rack. <laughs> it's Black Friday. Fucking Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I uh, oh, uh, more questions. Yeah, is that, right, Try right. to dig away. Get try to, get try to dig away. Try to make you cry. Try to get traumatic information. We ever molested Cameron Smith? <laughs> I wish. I think it would make me a more spicy individual, but uh, I'm, I'm rather bland because I unfortunately, unless like it's one of those things where I was so young when it happened, I've like blocked it out of my mind. I feel like I exude the behavior of someone who was molested. Well, you were but, a cute kid, bro. I saw old pictures. I saw I not old, even old pictures, the old videos when you did the other things. And I went real back. I stalked Cameron. And I found uh, his magician clip. Are you in uh, in school, like asking if people wanted to see magic tricks? Well, you're talking. That's not even all that young. That's really? like high school. That's a nice. I school. thought you were talking about like little kid pictures. Where I'm like, <laughs> I got like, like blonde and like five years old, and got like a bold. They're, they're actually Polaroids. I look like Macaulay Culkin in, in Home Alone. Dude, I love Home Alone. I think that's yeah. the best Christmas movie. Hey there, buddy. Hey. It's a good one. It is. Yeah. I feel like it should have been an NRA ad. Because, like, the two guys just broke in for no reason. This is the one time I wanted an eight-year-old with a gun. It's in that movie. It would make it so much shorter. He wouldn't have to put all those hot traps, like, on the doorknob. Did they deserve and, to die? No, they don't deserve to die. But they, they you know, it's like, uh, you know, staying your, when, you, when someone breaks into your house. I don't want to give a political agenda here at know, all. I'm not. I just, I just think that those two men, as ridiculous as they are, like, Okay, yeah. Like I was like, get out of here, you had a gun or something. Like, don't rob me, please. Like, you'd be like, I kind of like these guys. Okay, really? You got? They had some likability to them. I did not. I found them. Well, maybe I watched it as an older person where I was like, fuck these guys. They're evil. They're they're hooligans. You know. You know who's not a hooligan? Cameron Smith. Back to Cameron. So we were talking about molestations. Um, We were talking about uh, 9/11. have you uh, ever had uh, a traumatic event happen to a family member you've had to like console, uh, like console, and like talk with, but like failed? Um, I, I mean, I think the most like prominent traumatic experiences in, in my family have revolved around uh, my mom being nineteen when she had me, and then 
like immediately divorcing my dad, who they didn't even have like a wedding. It was like they got court married, and then I was born. And then very shortly after that, it was like, all right, I'm getting away from you and taking my boy. And then she had like another husband, and that guy was very uh, abusive. Like he was a violent alcoholic, um, and she was with him for a while. And then she became like a stay-at-home mom. It was very, it was a very strange era in in the life of my mom. Like from my perception, uh, she it was like because she didn't have to work, she had all this time on her hands to where she would come at me every week. And also my stepsister, who was two years older than me at the time. Now she's five years older than me. Um, but she, <laughs> um, and, and she would come on us every week with like something like, like a printed out sheet that she made on like Microsoft Excel. Like these are your chores for the week, <laughs> like neatly organized and like a spreadsheet with like complete with, uh, you know, clip art and shit. And, uh, and every, it was like, we would try it for a week and like, we wouldn't do it. And then she would try something else. And I think the, the most, like other than. You know, having these alcoholic men, different men in my life for whatever extended period of time or not so extended period. You know, some men were fucking alcoholics. One dude was a fucking pill head. Um, and they all, they were all relatively shitty men. Like, I've had tons of shitty male role models. And then a couple of nice ones along the way. Like, my grandpa is a solid male role model. Um, but also, I'm not very much like him. Like, we're, we're very different. My, my uncle, uh, my mom's brother, is a pretty uh, decent role model. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's mostly just like... My, like, my mom's taste in men is, well, he better have a big truck. That's it. Like, that's, that's the criteria. And if they got a big truck, <laughs> then they're in. Um, so, yeah, you can imagine that the men that have come out of that... Um, but that, that, that era, like, here, here's the most traumatic thing for me other than, you know, occasional drunk dude yelling and screaming and beating the shit out of his daughter because he found out she had a MySpace and then me trying to stop him from beating the shit out of her and then he, him picking me up like a cat by, like, my neck and then throwing me in my room. That's, like, you know, about as bad as physical abuse goes for me. Um, and then getting smacked here and there by my mom or him or something like that. But yeah, n nothing over the top. The thing that I think traumatized me the most is when my mom was in this stay-at-home, overly strict mode, she decided it would be a good idea to ground me if I got any grade below a B on a report card or a progress report. And she would ground me for nine weeks and it was a very strict grounding. It was uh, no TV, no computer, no video games, no having friends over, no going over to friends' houses, no leaving the front yard, no using the telephone. I think all I could do was draw and read and do homework. And uh, I would do that for nine weeks until I got another progress report, report card that, that showed that I no longer have C's on it. Um, and then after like racking up, you know, years of being grounded, like it was like I kept adding on because like I'd get grounded, I'd misbehave, and you're like, all right, another month, another two months, another year. And then I remember come, her coming out of the bank one day, and I was in the car, she'd pick me up from school, and it was just like this shitty energy between us. It was just like I didn't want to talk to her. And then she got back in the car, and she was like, <sighs> All right, you're not grounded anymore because it's not, it's not doing anything. Um, and then I never got grounded again. So, I've had a very um, privileged white life. <laughs> uh, things haven't been very <clears throat> traumatizing for me personally. Well. To be honest, man, I... Uh, I should have not agreed to do this. No, 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 no. Jesus. Um, well, I, I was noticing your vices. Are, you were telling me you were sober last Thursday. When, yeah. When you yeah. Were, so with, with alcoholism, we're seeing all these like drunk like, like father figures. 
you were like, did that kind of take you a step back when you were drinking? Like, oh, I don't want to have that influence of alcoholism in my life. Like, I'm not super sober. You, you, you get where I'm at right now? I you do. Vices? Um, yeah. So I think, like, my entire, like, right at the end of high school and then all through college and then right at the end of college is kind of when it ended. But I very much was attracted to all sorts of vices, like, you know, smoking pot, drinking caffeine, jerking off drinking alcohol, uh, taking psychedelics. Like, those are my five favorite things. And um, I would, it was mostly I would drink as much pot, or sorry, I would drink as much pot and smoke as much caffeine <laughs> as I could. It was mostly like, that was my upper and my downer, caffeine and pot. And uh, and then like anything else, like alcohol or psychedelics, it was just like if it was around or offered or available, I, I, I'd include it in the mix and then jerking off all the time you know just like, gotta get the cum out there's more cum in me gotta remove this cum because it's it's a lot um it's demon juice so uh after, towards the end of that i was like in this very i was out of the one relationship i've ever been in and i was just in this i was living alone in a one-bedroom apartment and i was in this very very depressed state and I was still doing all these things and then the idea of meditation kind of floated into my world because I was all obsessed with David Lynch movies and uh and so I like wanted to to do that and I, I started thinking about the idea of taking control of my life and I just realized all these substances or vices were diminishing my ability to control myself like it was they would send me on an emotional roller coaster. It was like they would immediately bring me joy for however long that joy would, would stay. It's like the longer I used pot, the smaller that window was. It was like I would only be high and happy for like 10 to 30 minutes. And then after that, it was just like sad, tired, and pissed off until I smoked again and got myself another 10 to 30 minutes. And uh, I didn't realize how bad my sleep was getting and um i, I don't know i feel like I, this, this is a this is a subject that i feel like i can ramble about for for a long time and not really go anywhere with it um so I, i'm catching myself kind of doing that right now <laughs> and um I, like <clears throat> right now, I haven't I haven't smoked pot in six months. But alcohol, I'm much more loose with because it's never been a problem for me. You know, like weed definitely throws off the meditation practice. I I, I notice very um, very obvious a, a very obvious a very obviously diminished experience. You were heavily endorsing that for a while, and it. You told me a lot how it helped you and improved you as, like, a person. Yeah, well, it definitely has made me a lot better at accepting whatever is going on and, like, realizing, like, accepting what I can't do, accepting what I can't control and, and recognizing what I can control and um, being able to snap back to this, like, very centered place of, of like, peace. Like, not happiness, but peace. Peace and acceptance of, of what is and not resisting w what is. And um, I think prior to that, I was very much like through these waves of, you know, my, my happiness levels could be so much higher, but at the expense of having my lows being so much lower. And right now I feel very baseline where like I have a healthy amount of happiness when I'm happy. I have a healthy amount of sadness when I'm sad. And um, I'm not yanked around by it. I, I feel things more reasonably. Were you ever like medicated heavily as a child or even as an adult? I, so towards the end of high school, I actually went to get psychoanalyzed because I thought I had ADHD. That's what my math teacher told me. And I was trying to get Adderall because I had tried Adderall illegally and it made me feel amazing and also made me feel focused and uh, I was like yep this is what I need and so I went to the the uh, I guess psychiatrist to try to get that and they made me do all these tests and they came back and they were like so you're not you don't have ADD uh, but you are 
depressed. And I was like, okay, like, well, so we're gonna offer you therapy and or antidepressants. I'm like, all right, uh, let me just do those antidepressants. And so then I took Zoloft for a few months. I was taking like 100 milligrams a day. And I don't really, my, from my experience, I never really noticed it was better. Like, I just felt very boring. Bored with my mind, bored with the world. And I finally decided to stop taking it around that three month mark because I was working on something or trying to think and I realized I was having like these long, or I, I'm used to having very long strands of thoughts, you know, like going on a weird path, like thinking this and then this and this and then that and then that and that. And then I realized that I couldn't hold a string for very long. It was like, rather than having 20 links and, and recollecting all 20 of those links of, of thinking, I could only have about like five before I was like, oh, I don't remember what the sixth one was. Um, and and lo losing my train of thought. And I can totally see how that could help someone. How like that kind of hyperactive and probably unreasonable mode of thinking can cause someone despair, but also at the same time can do a lot of good for them too. So it's just kind of like... Uh, taking someone's sword away because they keep accidentally stabbing themselves with it. And that's what I felt. I was like, I was like okay, like, if it's, if it's either this or I'm going to be miserable, then I'll, I'll, I'll be miserable. So, I quit taking them. Wow. No, I, uh, I was heavily medicated as a kid. I was always, like, running around, and they were like, hey, you know what? We'll just drug them. And, uh, yeah, that's what they did. I stopped looking out the window. I was super focused. But couldn't eat. You've ever you never took. Oh, you took Adderall. Did took Adderall. So I do know that. Yeah, not eating. Um. So no. But you know what? Here's a here's a fun story. So in those three months, <laughs> I was on Zoloft. I did have a casual sexual encounter, and um, I could fuck for hours without coming. And I did not get to come during this this sexual encounter. Uh, because the girl said, please stop, my pussy, my, my pussy is raw. <laughs> I was like, all right. Cam Smith throws it down. <laughs> um, well, there's... Well, you were on speed. No, this is Zoloft. Oh. Uh, yeah, this is Zoloft. Uh, yeah, Adderall is like the reverse Viagra. It goes all to your head for the blood flow, and then your dick is like nowhere to be found, so it's all up here. Yeah. Get all of those. This is a very strange show. Um... <laughs> Just because, well, I mean, not just the fact that there's three people who, like, I can very clearly make eye contact with, yeah. but also, uh, like, I know we, we have been making little jokes here and there. There's been little moments of being funny, but for the most part, it's like I'm really talking yeah. very seriously and honestly about what's going on and what has gone on, and I'm like, I can't imagine what it's like for the three of you. <laughs> Um, why, why do you care? That's true. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I was thinking just make jokes when you want. That's what I want out of all my guests. I don't want to poke fun at like whatever like subject they're uncomfortable with. I'm like, all right, I'm going to ask a question about something like an uncomfortable topic. It's your decision to discuss it or not. You could have refused every question I said, but you went yeah. into it and I appreciate that. So we got. I actually have more like, questions, and we we. I actually wanted to talk about a hot riff he gave me uh, last Thursday. So he uh, he he serves. He's a, he works at a restaurant. Oh, I used no. to work at a restaurant oh, too. No, yeah, do it. Oh shit! All right. Well, so he was telling me he's like Harrison. There's these old Jews that come in to my restaurant. And you know, I should let them know first that. First of all, that, first okay. of all, I, I am of Jewish descent. Yeah, yes. Okay, you should okay. let them know that Let's, because I, I wouldn't have said it to you if you weren't. I wouldn't <laughs> said, to a fellow non-Jewish white man like Harrison. There's these fucking Jews. 
And you know how you and I are in that gang and we don't <laughs> like Jews. <laughs> and we shave our heads once a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now that they know that, continue. <laughs> All right, so he was telling me, because like boomer Jews, they're a little, you know, different. So he was telling me about, can you kind of go into what they were complaining about in the restaurant? Because they're, they're not great with service, at least. Yeah, so you know what's funny is there's now been, like this was at the restaurant I was working at, the story that I told you, yeah. and now there has been another set of Jews <laughs> who came into the restaurant I work in now and also caused me like quite a, a bit of like kerfuffle stress just like and they left a negative review at the restaurant oh, didn't mention me had nothing to do with me they were, all their complaints were with the food that's good but like I, I the one you're talking about it was like uh I went up to the table, and, you know, it's like a fine dining place, so I always, like, very, hello, how's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> and, and before I could even finish that sentence, the lady there goes, oh, my God, we've had the worst day ever. We were at the Ryzen for three hours. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, this, this memory is fuzzy now, because this has been at least, like, three three months ago, or two months ago, I don't know, but um, I brought them their salads, or, you know, they, they had, they had uh, like, 30 questions about the menu, and I have other tables. Um, their, their questions were, and they would, a lot of, like, the, the man would ask me some questions, then the woman would ask me some questions, and then the man would ask some more questions that were the same as the ones the woman was just asking, and then the woman would ask the same questions that she was just asking again. And I'm like, okay, you guys have run out of questions. Like, just stop, stop asking them. And, um, and you know, stuff like that too, where like they're asking me about, what's this on the, what do you make that with? And I'm like, well, they, they do, they pansy or whatever, like pansy, like, ugh. <laughs> like, okay, I'm sorry, like, I'm not the one who picks that. Uh, uh, like, do you want that fried or broiled, man? I'm like, fried or broiled? What? And I'm like, D which one do you want? Or do you want the thing? I know. <laughs> um, can you go through the dressings again? All 20 of them? <laughs> um, How old do you think these people were? Okay. 50s, 60s, okay. maybe 70s. I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh. they might be in their 20s I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah they're um, in their 20s but the, here, this is the most notable thing that I think like well other than, they, they didn't give me a fucking second to give them bread like I and again I had other tables and they took you know 15 minutes of my time asking questions so it was like as soon as I was done with them I had to go wait on other tables I was like while I'm at other tables you know, not even two minutes into that, another server comes up to me and they're like, hey, uh, your table 15 wants you to bring in bread. And I'm like, okay. So I finished with this table and I'm like going to make the bread. And then while I'm making it, another server comes in and they're like, hey, your table 15 really wants that bread. <laughs> um, and like, I'm bringing the bread, I have the bread in my hand and I'm like, hello, like, could we get some bread? And I'm like, it's right fucking here. <laughs> and so the, the thing that, that really got me was... I bring them their desserts at the and, and all after going through all the desserts, they're asking how much sugar is in it, and then I tell them there's this like, oh my god, that's too much. Like the, we had this like chocolate chalet cake, and uh, and it's like no, it's white chocolate mousse, chocolate cheesecake, and dark chocolate cake, and uh, like oh that's too much, that's too much. I'm like, well, yeah, it's not my fault. I I didn't make that fucking dessert, and, and um. I bring them, I think they both got key lime pie, and I, I brought them a piece, and I'm going like set on the table, and their table's mostly bust, like maybe they still have their bread basket there, because God forbid I take that away from them. And, and I'm like about to set it down, and then the guy goes, whoa, 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 before you set that down, you need to wipe up this table real quick. And there was like a little bit of water from like condensation of their glasses. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. So I had to like wipe down the table with the key lime pie in my hand, dude. 
Like, th this is so, this is such a non-issue, but it aggravated me so fucking much um, that it made me be like, well, you know, like, the Holocaust wasn't that bad. Like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry those old Jews made you feel subhuman, Cam. I'm really, I apologize on behalf of my people. It, it yeah, it, I was like, I mean, Having surely, surely in six with. million, some... <laughs> There were some that had it coming. <laughs> I mean, like, no one, no one liked the like the German Jews were like bougie. Like then there was like the Bel Belgium Jews, the French Jews, they were like weird. You know, they were like the horse girls of Jews. So, yeah. You know. But uh, yeah, no, I uh, walked him, Harrison. Yeah, I'm sorry, I walked him. Shit, I'm sorry. We, I, I, I need to go back. We can't just do hot riffs all day. Yeah, can't. exactly. Can't. We gotta talk about. We gotta talk about more sad and personal stuff for. 30 more minutes. I'm just kidding. I don't know. No, I do know. All right, Cameron Smith. Do you... You don't believe, like, in any conspiracy... You don't believe in, like, lizard people or anything like that, right? I don't know what the fuck I believe in. I mean, like, I... From this place where I decided to go from, like, taking... The, the fundamental difference between me when I was taking in everything I can to where I am now is like core values. Like if you just want to say there's two core values, I think it's like prior to that, it was like nihilism and hedonism. It was like nihilistic. Nothing exists for any reason. Fuck it all. I don't give a shit. And because of that, I'm going to suck any little physical pleasure I can out of this world. And that's the hedonism. So, so then what changed was like, well, maybe... Anything could be anything, and also maybe I should be, do something a little more positive with with my existence. Can't just do acid all Saturday morning. Well, I never said acid was a bad thing, but I, I think it, it went from nihilism and hedonism to like consciousness and creativity, okay. or just like consciously being aware of what is and trying to expand that awareness, and then with what to do with your time. It's like to create. Cre creation is always better than destruction um, in, in an abstract sense. You can always create something awful and destroy something awful in, in that sense, um, you know. But it's, it's up to your discretion. And I think prior to that, it was like, well, what the fuck is my discretion? What's anybody else's discretion? Um, I, I, think, uh, I think I'm done saying the thing that I'm saying. Uh, what I was the question you asked me? Oh, it was, I, first of all, I just want to, like, clarify something. I'm not, like, a conspiracy, I'm not Alex Jones up here, okay? I've watched him, very entertaining. You know, person. actually, there is something, we, we watched uh, Alex Jones on the Joe Rogan podcast when, when we were, the, the older very one. Yeah, yeah, not the more recent four-hour one, but the one he did, like, a year, there's another one now. Um... <sighs> But there was something he said in there that I kind of do believe a little bit, and um, it has made me, like, I think I made a, a conscious effort to do something about it potentially affecting me if it is true. Uh, the thing he said about being an organ donor, didn't he say he had, like, his father or a relative of some sort got sick and went to the hospital... And ended, they ended up killing him in the hospital because apparently they, they couldn't do anything for him. Yeah. But what he had wasn't that big of a deal. And he, what he suspects or has intel and reason to believe is that it's the, the higher-ups. Like, if you want to call them the fucking Bohemian Grove, secret society level people, or just someone very rich yeah. has that power to, like, I need a fucking organ, and if yeah. you got someone in that hospital yeah, that might not make it, yeah. you better make sure they don't, yeah. and here's the money for that. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that is very possible. Um, and and so it's made me be like, yeah, I better take that fucking organ donor thing off my, my card. Like, <laughs> I'm going to the grave with my organs. I'm, I'm going to the cremation facility with all my organs. Really? I would, I would give away a kidney for someone. But I'm saying if you're in the hospital and you would make it out otherwise because the hospital's deciding to kill you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the government can kill us when it wants to. That's, I do believe that. They got shooters. 
We we live in a society. Well, that's this is this is supposed to be a comedy podcast. This we is, live in a society. We live in a society. Um, yeah, I think we've had incredible. But like, I wanted to talk more about your like family and how they were like role models. And you said your grandfather was a role model to you. I mean, yes, in terms of he was like a nice man. Like, just that, that's, it's like the only consistent, nice male role model I've had from early life to now. Where, like, you know, I've never seen him do a bad thing. You know, I've never, I've seen, the most I've seen him get upset and yell. He smacked me in the face one time because I said, God damn it, after like a trip to the zoo. And he said, that's the worst word you can say. I said, no, it's not. Fuck is. And then... <laughs> it hit you again? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, no, actually, I don't know if he hit me again. I don't think he did. Um, but yeah, he did not like that. I said, God damn it. He's a, he's a Christian man. But, like, yeah. in ter- Like, he is a man whose intentions are good. And whatever his own perception of good is... He's he's living by it and catches himself when he's not in line with it. You know what I mean? Where I think the men prior are just like, well, I'm just trying to get by and fuck whoever I fuck over. You know, it's like that. Where it's like, you know. So is your grandfather still alive? Yes, he is. What does he do for a living? Or what is uh, he, he, work, he works in the funeral business. Uh-huh. And he like, uh, I think... He's he's done a bunch of different things. I think he helps like put together funeral services. I think he used to like sell the burials and gravestones and I don't I don't think he ever sold coffins, but um you know, he would be he's always been involved in some level of the ceremonial business. Wow. No, I'm just interested in how you found him in a role model and it was just he was a genuine person with good intentions. Well, I mean it was also just like he him and my grandma were like other parents for me because my mom was so young. We like lived with them for a while, and I'm, and I'm just saying otherwise. It's like I have z- I wouldn't say I have zero male role models, you know. But like I, I wouldn't. I've never perceived any of my stepfathers or my real father to be anything I should be looking up to. And I, like I never really like looked up to my grandpa's like I want to be just like you when I get older. But like this is my most prominent example. At an early age of like, this is the closest thing in my life to a, a man who's not a total piece of shit. Wow. Nice. Wow. My uh, my grandfather was, wait, it, it was like, I, I never really met him. So he was like, he was a Holocaust survivor, but he was like cooler. You know, he lived on a kibbutz and then he died. He had a drink, brought me, died. And then my grandma remarried someone else. And this guy was like, uh. You know, he was he was an antique dealer and he was a nice enough guy and that's I was like my my grandmother was mentally like she would just take like uh, Zoloft and Percocet off the street and uh, I remember accidentally taking one of those instead of my Ritalin and I fell asleep like right in the middle of class like just lying people would put pencils in my mouth and I was like oh fuck what's going on and then he's like oh Harrison you took the wrong medication. Oh shit! So my parents were like, that's "You can't come that's back." That's a classic slapstick miss up. Miss. Oh, whoops! <laughs> Don't you miss hate it when you take your grandma's pills? Uh, Whoopsie Daisy. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, and I, uh, I, I remember, I remember, like, cause they would put it, like, my parents would put it in the same like cabinet or the same shelf, so I would like constantly. Because I never, like, read... Like, I was like, oh, it's a bottle. It's a pill bottle. I have to take one of these. That's all my parents were like, take the Ritalin. And I was like, I take my Medicaid. Messed it up. Didn't even, I didn't even look at the color or anything. Would just take it. And I was like, oh, I'm sleeping. Or oh, I'm not... Why am I shaking? <laughs> oh, it's Parkinson's medication. Oh. It's, it's a giving me shakes instead of stopping the shakes? That is not good Parkinson's medication. Someone just call Martin Shkreli. And jack the price of this medication. Uh, all right. Um, but yeah, no, th- thank you so much, Cameron. I don't know how to end off this this wonderful show. I, we had, I wanted more of an hour. Like, I wanted a whole hour with Cameron. And I think I still, can still get it out of him. You can. Uh, you, you touched on some great bases with me. What's your... Because uh, you your last set, I saw you like talk about how much you hate your mother. 
And oh. you don't, no, I know you don't, obviously, but like, what's your relationship with your mom now since your childhood? Has it grown and has it improved? And how so? Um, yes, it's always been relatively complicated and it still is complicated. Um, I, and I, I do love my mother and I don't hate her. Uh, I think, I think she tries her best. Well, I think she tries her best to try her best, but her best isn't always what I think her best is. <laughs> like, I think, I often perceive that she does not care about me as much as I would hope. And also sometimes I forget how human she is. And I sometimes am a little bit too hard. Like, I think she is hard on herself, and I am therefore hard on myself. And we are also hard on other people because we each set a unreachable standard for ourselves and others. And there's a lot that I have inherited from her and uh, from being raised by her and genetically. And there's also a lot that I've inherited from my father who's not been in my life genetically. And, uh, you know, she is, is very quick to point out what I've inherited from him, but does not seem to be perceptive enough to realize what all I've gotten from her. And um, will often, like, things that she perceives to be wrong with me will either blame on me getting from my father or me have developed on my own. And some things, are, that is true, but a lot of things, um, I, I think, that, like, my anxiety and um, depression, those, those are things that I think she would blame on, on things like that. And I'm like, mm, I would argue you got a little something to do with them. And she doesn't seem to be very, she, she tells me straight out or flat out that she does not understand it. She does not understand the, the mental illness level of me and that some things that come out of my mouth disturb her and that she's worried about me. Um, and what I told her in the recent time or year conversations we've had is, you shouldn't be worried about me now. A couple years ago, or a few years ago, yes. But now I, I feel very much uh, ab above my darkness. I feel very much uh, around it and not in it. And um, there was something I was, I was saying there, too, with... Oh, she. so she, she will... She, straight up tell me, like, I don't understand the depression. Like, I don't understand. I can't wrap my head around it. I've never been depressed. But it's something in that line where it's like, I feel like she doesn't care enough to try to understand it. And I think that is where a lot of our friction currently is. Where it's, as long as I'm okay and I'm in a good place, we're cool, but if I'm ever not doing well, she's not really someone I can go to about it. And in only very dire situations, like I remember maybe about a year or two ago, I had a little breakdown and I was, you know, scream crying in my car. And like I was really like planning on going to kill myself. And like I, uh, you know, also had enough awareness to realize I should try to talk to someone right now and it was like I was also in, in such a bad place it was like I can't just talk to anybody I have to talk to someone that matters to me and like matters to me a lot and I, like I, I ought to talk to my mom and I did and she was like you know come over and she was very kind to me and, and helpful in this situation and she was doing her best in that situation but it's to me, a little bit of a shame that that's the level of despair I have to be in for her to be there for me like that. But also at the same time, I'm a 24-year-old, and I feel like somewhat of, of what she's doing, whether intentionally or not, is helping me be...
be stronger as an individual and more independent. I think some of her neglect, and I, I would say more on the unintentional side, has uh, yielded a more independent person and someone who, who is more um, uh, willing to take things on, on on their own rather than ask for help. And all and not not when I when I can't handle things on my own, I feel like I do ask for help. But I, I definitely try very hard to not ask for help. Um, when you were talking about like you know being suicidal, um, you most likely or you mostly reach for family members instead of like friends or you know, colleagues or people you work with, right? Or is that, is that like a gen general, general thing that you try to do? Yeah, and you know, it's kind of... Yeah, I definitely don't, like, I, I've... There's been several times where I've almost gone to therapy, and, you know, like, when I was living in L.A., I even set up, like, a meeting to have, like, my first therapy session with this guy and he was annoying me on the phone <laughs> before like leading up to it and he was like he was talking to me like I was a child and it pissed me like 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 it was really like do you know how to use a computer you just go to my website www and you click on this <laughs> it would say the www yeah, you're gonna want to make sure that you have that www dot typed in or else I'm like dude shut the fuck up <laughs> like and, and like uh, I think he called me up with a follow up like twice or something like I just want to make sure you're coming and I was just like hey man I'm not like um, this isn't a good fit I don't think um, but yes I do typically when I do need that help I try to uh, I usually can find the help I need in a good conversation with someone um, and I do feel like sometimes you know if I and I, I think a good indicator of whether things are serious or not, whether like I really do need the help or whether I'm just looking for attention. If I'm looking for attention, I'm going to be probably more selective about who I'm Like, oh, I want this to be my excuse to talk, to have meaningful conversation with this person or like to get the attention from this individual. Uh, and, and then I think if it is serious, I will try to turn to someone more reliable. I'll be like, okay, well, I know I can go to this person and that they're, they're not going to make things worse for me. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, like, I, like if I'm, like, feeling, like, super sad or super down, I'm not just going to go to, like, another open mic. I'm like, hey, man, I want to torch myself right now. You can't do that. you got to go to, like, family members or, like, genuine, pe genuine people that are close to you. And I always feel like, like a lot of sad, depressed people, I have this problem where I go to the nearest person and I unload, and it's like, dude, nobody wants to. None of these people want to hear that, and I don't want to say that to make myself sad or anyone else sad. It's just the honest truth. You have to surround yourself, or you have to go to people that know are going to help you or know that care about you. And I think that's a great quality in you, Cameron. Well, thank you. I think you will get a little bit of a kick out of this story. So back when. Dead Crow was not Dead Crow, and it was Nut Street under the soapbox. It was one of the sets I did maybe my first year of doing comedy. Um, I feel like the Azalea Festival was going on during the time, or something was going on. There was some big event, and there weren't a whole lot of people at this open mic. Um, and I went up there, and I, I very intentionally, I'm not going to tell any jokes. I'm just going to go up there and list off all the things that are making me sad. And then I'm going to walk off stage. <laughs> and so I spent my four minutes just like, very like monotone being like uh so you know my car is not working and uh this girl at school i really like her but she doesn't like me at all she won't talk to me and my mom told me that she doesn't <laughs> she thinks i'm an idiot today <laughs> just like like just listing off these like poor little old me kind of things <laughs> like, but like just really trying to be like a fucking eeyore up there and, and there's not being any punchline to it and then at the end it's like all right well that's it goodbye <laughs> walking off stage and it was uh it's one of those moments where it's like i i enjoy, i've thought about doing that again since then <laughs> because it's it's kind of a fun anti-comedy gag to to do that <laughs> anti-comedy is really hard 
for me. I feel like to do. I mean, I like you can like read out loud or read like things. Like Andy Kaufman was great at doing that. Yeah. And I just like I I'm al- I'm already an awkward guy to like enhancely awkward myself more would be like you know digging myself a hole. I feel like. I don't know. Do you have any advice on that or no? To, not, to, well, to get yourself out of the awkwardness hole. Well, Before. I I think for you, I kind of see, I mean, like, yeah, there's always going to be a natural, or I don't know if always, but, like, if there is a natural awkwardness and it's inhibiting the audience's ability to, like, take you or, like, to focus on what the, because con- I do see that. I do see, like, the content of what you're saying often escapes the audiences because they're so focused on on you and like what's going on with you and like i think what could work for you is leaning into the awkwardness and like letting the natural amount happen and then intentionally adding to it like like you know what i mean by leaning into it thanks wow i didn't know this was going to be like a like an advice panel, I really. Would well, you just that. ask me? No, no, I know. I, I know. I, I do generally, you, do you have any advice? Like, all <sighs> coy. <laughs> oh man, we yeah. just we covered like so many topics, and we're like ten minutes there. I did not. I genuinely did not think I could speak to up to an hour. And How yeah. long did you go with Julia? Like thirty, forty-five. Oh wow. Yeah. So this is like I want to just have this a genuine hour. Try to edit it. How much more do you think you got in you, huh? Another hour? I got. I got. I was like, oh, I'm gonna just close with like a final. Because if we do nine more, I feel like you guys haven't talked about anything. Oh no, I. Thousands more topics. If we go for nine more minutes, it'll be an hour. So what? What do you request is talked about in those nine minutes? Um, I would like to. Well, I would like to share my feelings on something and perhaps get your reaction to it. Okay. That a very common practice in this country is for newborn American males to have their genitals mutilated. Oh, circumcision. That's what people call it. And I feel that this creates emotional injuries and a violent impression on the child immediately upon bringing into the world and creates a sense of Fear from uh, being essentially your parents giving you up to having this thing being done to you. And I feel that it creates emotional knots in us that rock us to our core. Mm -hmm. And that we all have these deep emotional injuries, and that's why the world is so fucked up. You cut, Michael? One example, by the way. You cut? Oh, yeah. Okay. Are you cut, Harrison? Oh, you bet I am. Okay, so we're all cut here. We're all cut deep. Um, so I know I've kind of had the conversation with you, and I remember the last time I had it, I kind of pa- passed it off as just like, well, it's it's already been done, and I don't feel like it's affecting me. And then I've, I've come to, you know, pick up a little more on this idea of, you know, unconscious pain um, that, you know, very well could, you know, something like this could be part of that. And... Uh, you know, and I also, I think I saw someone link something on Reddit where they're talking about, like, um, you know, it was, like, under, like, Christian hypocrisy or something. Where it was, like, uh, if you were if you're truly a Christian, you would have accepted that Jesus Christ died for your sins and, you know, now, like, all, all is forgiven and... Uh, humanity is no longer a sinful species or something like that but then it gets to you know like there would be no reason for you to continue circumcising your children and and that so that was like among the like I'm not sure, I'm not sure yeah. about that particular logic right I'm not either but I'm saying but my feeling but my feeling is for the for people that so called believe in God mm-hmm. why would God and, and by the way I'm one of these people why would God create an imperfect creature where us humans need to immediately uh, alter each other. It doesn't make any sense. Because God told him in a vision, he was like, Abraham, yo, you better cut the tip of your son's dick off, or you suck. And he did it. Well, I, and that's I, why we have Judaism. I am aware of uh, Abraham's covenant with God, but Abraham's covenant with God has nothing to do with my dick. <laughs> 
Well, no, I don't think. Here's the thing. For women, I mean, I just think like no woman ever pulls down a guy's pants and is like, "Oh, look, a German army helmet." Like they don't. It's a dick's a dick. Oh it's, no, it doesn't I'm not, matter. I'm not trying to suggest. Yeah, it doesn't really matter, and because it's culturally accepted, it's not even really thought of. But my point is, is that before we develop an intellect, okay, we absorb violent, non-loving emotional energy from our surroundings. And that creates situations that manifest itself in unpredictable ways later in life. Yes, I just, I just, I just want to say, like, we went from talking about your um, abusive childhood to. Uh, this is where it all comes from. This is where my abusive just, childhood. <laughs> my dick was <laughs> cut off at an early age. I am a disenfranchised. Human. This is what I ranted about for an hour. Like, you want to know about abuse, Harrison? <laughs> Have you ever heard of circumcision? Uh, uh, you have no idea the pain that has been unconsciously planted inside of me from the moment they cut the fucking hood of my dick off. I heard it feels... Didn't like the guy who did like Kellogg's cereal was like, hey, you want to stop beating off? You better cut that dick off, you know? You know what I'm talking about? The cereal guy? You don't, you don't, know, you don't know about this? Wow. Mr. Kellogg. Like the Kellogg guy, like the CEO of like Kellogg cereal, was like, yeah, yeah, it's like don't play with yourself because it's to be a dig off, because it's like sensational and shit. Was that the same guy that also said breakfast is the most important meal of the day at yes. the New York Stock Exchange? Yes. Yeah, it sounds like the same guy. Yes. Yeah. Kellogg. And this is like twenty or like this is the twenties or the thirties. And by the way, speaking of cereal, this is when polio was a problem, you know. It's... Eating cooked carbohydrates produces a carcinogen called acrylamide, so that's not either. <laughs> we're getting a lot of like factual information with this Q and A. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, no, so everything from like, uh, yeah, so I'm not cutting my kid. Uh, I'll vaccinate him though, right? We're gonna vaccinate. We got like four more minutes. I don't know, where are you on the anti vax? No, no, because you guys, it was like this would go against your argument that, yeah. about the imperfections. Yeah, so, um, there's a lot to talk about in this particular issue. So on the one level, I recognize that you, you theoretically build antigens or antibodies by introducing small amounts of antigens of a particular virus or uh, virus into your system so that your immune system knows how to fight off the, the real virus, so to speak. That's the logic that I've been given. However, I do not understand why there are heavy metals present in said vaccines. Also, I don't understand why vaccines have to be given to children so young. When I was a child, I, I got the MMR vaccine when I was like maybe six or seven, maybe perhaps a little bit younger, but I was not a newborn that was not undeveloped, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, in some sense. I mean, of course, we're, we're continually developing, yeah. but I feel like these are reasonable questions that people aren't asking. Now, on a completely separate topic, I feel, yes, that all of our physical disease is a manifestation of emotional injuries. I do believe humans have the abilities to heal themselves, they just choose not to. So in that sense, yeah, theoretically you wouldn't need any vaccines for anything. But, you know, that's yeah, that's not quite where we are as a society right now. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely the wrong person to rebuttal yeah. on, on vaccinations. I don't know we're having a huge-ass debate right now. I, I, I just wanted us to talk about sad shit in your life and try to make it funny. All right, we have so, two two more minutes. Two more minutes. Do you ladies have any questions before we wrap up? Okay. Uh, Thank you guys for being here. I, we were going to try to be funny, but, like, you know, it's... We failed. We, we failed. We failed miserably. Um, <laughs> do you have any, like, final words you'd like to say to the audience of the podcast? Uh, people out there that care about you, Cameron Smith. Uh, I do care about you. If you have friends or family or just loved ones in general, I suggest to to everyone get them in that bunker. And uh, <laughs> and if you don't have a bunker, you, you ought to get one. Yeah, soon. Get, get that money up, you broke bitch. Like really. Um, and uh, lock them in there. <laughs> don't give them any food and let them rot. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just you and me, buddy. <laughs> uh, well, I. Uh, I can afford a bunker, but, you know, I drive up and say hi to my folks, and that's nice enough. That's the closest thing to a bunker. I feel trapped there, so. Um, one, got one minute. One minute. Do you want to count down? No, no. I do not want to do that. <laughs> okay. 
Good count up. Um, oh, here, here, here. So I'm going to give you one final question. One final question. Okay. What is it you desperately want to know about you? Yeah. Um, you're, I, you're just like. Uh, so you don't have any. You're not. No, 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 no. You don't. All right. You're not a furry, right? No. And I'm you're not, not into kids, right? <laughs> no. Okay. So you're fine with me, like as a person, like you're, you're cool. I, it's all I like. I'm not like against furries, but like you know, it's like, like, I, so, tell me something I wouldn't know, real quick. Got twenty seconds. Who's your soulmate? Who's my soulmate? I don't think I have one. Aw. I think I think my soulmate is on another planet. What up? They train dogs to search out whale poop because the more you know about whale poop, the more you know about the ecosystem in the ocean where they can help the coral reef. That's pretty cool. There you go. Yeah. And now it's been a whole hour. So that is awesome. Thank you for the fun fact. Thanks everybody. Thank That's... you guys so much. Woo! Thanks for coming. Everyone.